and gentlemen, welcome back to Hoops Journey, episode number 96. We are closing in on 100. If you're still rolling with us, we appreciate it truly. Uh, tell a friend to tell a friend. Uh, we got more stories to come, and we finally have someone who has a real last name um, on this show. Uh, <laughs> A gentleman who we are very appreciative, and it's probably good timing because his life's about to crank up again in the next uh, 72 hours or so, I'd say. So um, in between his days off of getting back from the America Cup, which I'm sure we'll get into, um, did a phenomenal job as a head coach with our, with our national team and a guy who has just sort of worked his way through the system, kept his head down, grinded, and is an assistant with the Raptors. So many other stories to tell. Um, connections with former guests that we've had. Um, we have none other than Mr. Nathaniel Mitchell with us today. How are you, sir? Hey, Aaron, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, really appreciate the, the kind words on the intro. Probably gassed me up more than I should, but nah. um, I'm really excited to get this going. There's no gassing to happen, man. I mean, your, <laughs> your, your resume speaks for itself and the articles that I've had to read about you and, and the conversations that I've had about people who know you, you know, nothing but good things to say. So, for me, as, as someone who's a high school teacher and coach, it's a pleasure and honor to sit down and, and share the game and hear more about your journey and, and have the other people hear it as well. And let's just talk right now. How are you doing, man? I know saw some interviews with you, choking back some tears and some emotions. Have you given yourself time to sort of look back on it all yet? Or is it still a bit of a blur? Kind of that uh, one of those, you know, we're off the radar and then we start hooping and things are going well. And then you get close and you get to those metal areas. So it's like, where are you with that right now? Because we've all kind yeah. of been there or been in similar situations that either as players or coaches. Yeah. Right now, I've probably watched the semifinal game four times. Oh, don't do it to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's honestly like I've been blessed to have so many people in my life that follow me, help me, want to mentor me, um, give me their advice. And, and through that, I have an unbelievable will of trying to win at all costs, regardless of the situation. And because those people give me their advice, I go back and watch specifically for what they're saying. Sure. You know, like today I was talking to uh, Coach Blatt, um, David Blatt, and he, he talked about, you know, using fouls to give at the end of the quarter. Specifically, I went back to the first and second quarter of that Brazil game. And truth be told, like I looked at it. We didn't use the foul, and they scored on offensive rebounds both times. And, you know, in a one-possession game with three minutes to go, like, it's big. Yeah. You know, and um, it's like healthy criticism for me. I, I, I want to go back. I want to watch. I want to look at it. Uh, I want to get better. And so where I'm at right now is, like, just, like, revisiting things. Like, how could I have gotten better? But the experience in itself was great. The people were great. The staff, my staff was unbelievable. My players were unbelievable. I think the people back home that supported me were unbelievable. But I'm just like a wind junkie, so <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> I love it, man. A few things right off the bat, you know, the power of mentorship, but also for young people. And I mean, people our age and stuff, too, to understand like that how important when delivered right, feedback is like the breakfast of champions, right? If you're not if you're not prepared to hear constructive feedback, then there's zero room to grow, you know, and, and with someone like yourself as a coach, you know, it's like giving you a hard time about the sickness of going back and watching film. But when David Blatt calls you, you kind of just, you kind of answer that call, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, he's like, he's been a really valuable source for our federation and our country. 
he, he does that with a lot of, of our coaches on the national team. Uh, and he's like, you know, Rowan placed them in there with his experience sure. to help us. And for me, like, to use that resource is unbelievable to lean on, to continue to get better. It's going to make me a better coach. It's going to even make me a better assistant coach. And that's where I am and truthful in my life. And so um, to even improve in those areas to, you know, draw from those resources are big time. For sure. And talking with Scott a couple of nights ago as well, he mentioned, we believe, first uh, black head coach as well. Have you thought about that? Did you know that? Do you want to talk about that? Uh, uh, yeah, I, you know, someone, uh, Javon Shepard actually mentioned it as well, that mm. I, would, I would be the first black head coach at the senior men's level for Canada um, to coach in like a FIBA, like real game. Uh, it was an honor. It's kind of surreal. Un- I don't know how I feel about it. I, I feel, I mean, it is like an accomplishment. It's, it's something big. Um, I know a lot of people look towards it. Um, for me, being from Toronto, inner city, it's it's a it's a long ways to get there, and I I got there, uh, was able to you know represent my country in that area, and I just think to say thank you to all the people that supported me, uh, who believed in me, you know, Rowan Barrett, Nick Nurse, Michael Bartlett, uh, all those people that helped me, you know, put me in that situation to continue to grow in my career. These opportunities don't come. <laughs> they don't come period <laughs> so for it to come is unbelievable blessing um, yeah. and those people gave me an opportunity but for me to even get there it takes people like scott to give you an opportunity just to get in the g league the professional realm to start start growing to be honest and we'll get into that and i think that's a cool story how he brings you in and then you know you bring him in i think that's just the power of basketball it's dope man i love those yeah, little stories sure. and good reflection and Unfortunately, it's taken this long to have, you know, a person of color as a head coach, but we're here and we're only moving forward. And I think it's a good thing. And you should be proud of yourself, man. And I can hear the humbleness in your voice. You don't know how to express it, but I think it means a lot to a lot of people. So way to go, man. It's dope. I appreciate it. Yeah, let's jump right into it, man. Tell us about yourself. Young Nathaniel running around the streets of T-Dot or wherever he's from and sort of how did sport come into your life for those that don't know your story and and uh, what were you like as as kind of like a young guy growing up? Oh, uh, mischievous. <laughs> <laughs> I had four older brothers. Um, a single oh, yeah, mother no choice. Who, uh, we all grew up in Lawrence Heights community area, you know, known as the jungle in the city. And like it was... Most people say a, a tough neighborhood in compare, you know, in comparison to the other neighborhoods as well that a lot of people know about in the city. And grew up just trying to figure things out. I had older brothers that did play basketball. One of my brothers, Stanley Mitchell, actually, you know, he played in the CIS um, youth sports level at UNB and Dalhousie. And so, like watching my brothers play, um, you know, even at the rec, going to Lawrence Heights rec, and playing is kind of just. You know, for me, it was easy just to start playing, picking up a basketball, stealing their basketball to go outside to go play uh, <laughs> with my friends. Um, and that's kind of where the love of the game kind of just started up. Babysitting for my brothers turned into me bringing me to the gym. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm watching it and I'm on the sideline and I'm dribbling and I'm watching. And for me, that's kind of where it all started, to be honest. And, then, you know, obviously you start playing video games and video games were basketball games. and just fell in love with the sport and just wanted to be around it 
all the time. And it's kind of where it all started for me, you know, playing, going to high school at Oakland Collegiate, you know, very well known in the basketball scene at a high school level for years. It was great. Mm-hmm. It was great for me to continue to grow and have good coaches there, community coaches when I played OBA and AAU. John Clare did an unbelievable job with inner city kids downtown. And you wouldn't even have to be from downtown. Like if you wanted to play basketball at a high level and, and work out and train and go play to in the U.S., like they had an unbelievable program where they're like getting kids to play for free, which is like hard to find. And like I remember this guy just nonstop in the gym with us, you know, helping us get better. And that kind of dedication kind of rolled into all of us in terms of trying to give back. And now that I'm in the position I am trying to do the same thing, even before I became who I am now as a coach, I still try not to, you know, I don't want to avoid that part because that's kind of like kind of who made me or what made me, to be honest. So that's kind of like the groundbreaking Nathaniel Mitchell (laughs) in Toronto, you know, along with high school basketball. That's kind of where I started coaching too. My last year in high school, I actually coached the junior team. No way. as As an assistant coach. Yeah. So it was like, I would play the senior game. And then after our senior game was played, I got to go coach the junior game as an assistant um, with Mr. Miller. So that was kind of like the start of me coaching, to be honest. Well, that's crazy. So, so you're kind of being drawn to the game in a different way already, right? Like, I mean, we're playing in high school. I'm not thinking about being a coach, like maybe go help at some little kid camp or something, right? So yeah, what do you think it was? Like, was there a reason? Was it just sort of you felt like, you were already feeling that mentorship and, and you felt like that pay it forward or you just enjoyed that side of the game and and where that's how your brain worked? You know, like even like in middle school, uh, Jim Clark, uh, David Bunker, uh, my coaches in middle school, when I as a point guard, they always told me like, Yo, you're going to be a really good coach one day because you see the game, you have feel for the game, your suggestions on what to do, you know, from a player perspective was like, maybe I talked too much and suggested too much um that always got me in trouble for sure but like I always had that and it kind of came like that to the point where when I was playing video games uh and at that time March Madness was like a big thing on EA Sports yeah on Sega and so and on PlayStation and you had to play the game and run plays and stuff like that so like I started tactically thinking like how was I going to score in the video game running this play and this play and my friends would get mad because I'd take like five minutes to set up everything on how I wanted to do it. But like in actuality, it was, it was really already starting to formulate, you know, how to, you know, coach a game, play a game, which is interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Because everybody no, just keeps yeah. hitting A and wants to get to the game, right? You're the guy who's no. like, you got the 50 different plays and you're like, I'm going to run that no. first possession. Like, motion, yeah. motion down, motion <laughs> A. You know, two and then you're just shredding your boys too. You're beating them by twenty, and they're just pissed because <laughs> they just want to play. <laughs> yeah, it was never, it was never good. It was, it was never, and I did it in college too, and they hated it. So, <laughs> so the, the coaching thing, what, what do you remember? What it was like? Like, do you remember the experiences? How it made you feel? Like the, was there a moment where it was like you made a big mistake, or is that's a young, that's a young age to be getting into it? No, I, I loved it because. I just, I found joy out of instructing and seeing results. You know what I mean? Like I, I enjoyed it. I I loved it. And then even like that last year when I finished in that summer, 
you know, while I was waiting to see where I was going to go for scholarships and things of that nature, I ended up coaching um, an OBA team. I think we got into like Division Two, and we ended up getting a whole bunch of players. And we actually won the gold medal at the OBA tournament, and I was the head coach. And I was like, "We this we is easy, man." <laughs> it, it was funny because at, when we won, the guy, you know, the convener of the league at the time, he called up. He's like, "Okay, can the head coach come up and announce the players?" So, and you know, I was coaching 15 year olds and I was, you know, 18 and 19 at, at the time. And I, and I walk up to the mic and he's like, no, 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 I need the head coach. And so the, our, the guy that was driving our bus came and he ended up saying it because he, he didn't think I was the coach the whole time, but I was standing there the whole time. It was, it was You're like, that's me. That's me, man. I'm the head yeah. coach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, nah, it was, it was, it was good. Cool. It was a, I found it like a different way to look at the game. And I think it helped me by playing and preparation. You know, when I was in college, like trying to understand habits, the ways players like to play and, you know, personnel per se and and, and their tendencies. Yeah. I thought it helped, helped me. I was a good player. I wasn't super talented and way more athletic than anybody, um, but I can affect the game, you know, in a lot of ways. And one of them was like, I was really smart. Mm-hmm. I had a really good feel for the game. And I, I was ahead, you know, I was a step ahead most of the time because I knew what was going on. Um, and that really, really helped me. So, and I thought probably that the coaching aspect of it kind of played a part in that. For sure. Did you do anything else when you were younger, like other sports, baseball, soccer, football? No, just straight hoops, huh? No. Yeah. Couldn't afford anything else. Yeah. Just <laughs> found the court. Yeah. And like went I, for it, yeah. yeah. Like I, I played, like, I mean, when we were all young, we, we had, you know, we sure. do the police league, hockey. I remember playing in Maple Leaf Gardens. No way. And they used to bring the, you know, they used to bring all the, the community schools to Maple Leaf Gardens and play, playing soccer and volleyball and all those things when you're younger. But, like, nothing yeah. had the relevance, the relevance that basketball had. Yeah. I just wonder sometimes, like, when you get that sort of forward thinking, like, I can relate a little bit. What I lacked in, you know, height or athleticism was, like, I felt like I was always a step ahead. Yeah. And I felt like it was from maybe playing other sports, but you were just like, you were addicted to the game early, man. It got you. Yeah, it was yeah. bad. Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> now talk to about uh, the, the recruiting process and where you decide to go and how you come to those decisions, you know, getting away from home to play hoop and things like that and making that choice to uh, step out of your comfort zone. You've got your brothers as mentors, you know, one, one brother goes away. So you've kind of seen what that looks like a little bit. And how did you come to decide where you went? Yeah, actually, um, it was really last minute, man. It was tough for me. I I was like not wanting to go to a youth sports school at the time. I really wanted to go to the States and get a scholarship and things of that nature. And last minute, I ended up getting a junior college down in Atlanta, Georgia Perimeter College. Um, they offered me a full ride to go there and they're like a division one junior college. I had no clue. I didn't do any research on the school. It was like full scholarship. You can come here for two years and, you, you know, you can go to a university after. And I was like, I'm there. I don't need no questions. Like, full scholarship, money for food, bet, and apartment, let's go. When I got there, first day, I remember, you know, we, I didn't have a cell phone. So I landed in Atlanta, and Atlanta airport is huge. And yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know. Like, I remember walking around, and I saw, like, a tall coat. He was wearing, like, a tracksuit, so I just assumed it was him. And I looked at him, I kept walking, and he was like, Nathaniel? I was like, yeah, that's me. He was like, oh, Coach Barney, nice to meet you. I was the head coach. 
it's the first time I'm like having a conversation with the head coach because the assistant coach, Coach sure. Dennis, was the one that I actually like recruited me and wanted me to go there. You know, crazy thing, like whatever. I settled in my apartment the next day, went to school, you know, signed up for all my classes, went to practice. I walked in the gym, I saw all these banners. And I'm just like, you know, they're going national championship. They're going to the national tournament every year. I'm like, hold on, like, what's really going on? I, I realized at the time we were number eight in the country, like as a junior college. Like we were like one of the top junior colleges in the country. And you had no idea. Was, no idea. <laughs> you know, like no, I like no idea. Like, and so I just went in there and started playing. I fit right in with the guys I was playing on, you know, second day of practice. There was like 20 division one schools just all across sitting down, just realizing I didn't, I didn't know we had the talent we had in the gym. And like, it, it was crazy. I had two good years there. We won two um, state championships. We won two regional championships. We went to the national tournament both years. Now I was great. You know, I had a really successful career there. And then I went on to University of Cumberland in Kentucky as an NAIA Division One school. Ended up getting a full scholarship there and, and played my two years there and Got the national tournament twice there. And uh, it was good basketball wise. I was starting point guard my senior year. And it kind of turned into like, okay, I want to play pro basketball. And at, at the end of the time, like coming out of a small school, like it was like, you know, you're not sure if you're going to get that. Yeah. Um, but I did have people in my corner that were willing to help me from an agent standpoint, uh, mentors that, you know, were working me out at the time um, and training me. So I was all about it. But my coach at the time, Coach Butcher, said, hey, man, if you don't want to play, you can come back here and be a grad assistant. I'll give you a job right away. So I knew I always had, like, some type of job opportunity in my back pocket, but I wanted to pursue basketball. It's a nice feeling, though, you know? No, like, for sure. Nice feeling. You're like, I can go for this, but I know plan B is still pretty damn good because I like coaching. So that's, yeah. yeah. It was crazy that 2010 was the year that the NBA had a lockout. So because the NBA had a lockout, they were holding out on a lot of players that weren't getting opportunities to play in Europe because the bigger leagues were waiting for NBA guys to go over there. At the sure. time, these were guys like Josh Childress was going over to play. Uh, I think he went to Olympiacos at the time. Okay. More guys were like, you know, not going to play in the NBA and go to Europe. So the bigger clubs were waiting for those guys to come, which hurt the you know, th those guys were playing in the bigger clubs are going to the mid-level clubs. Mid-level guys are going to the low-level clubs. And if you're a rookie, it was probably, it was really hard. Um, sure. I remember Javon Shepard at the time, who had already played one year of pro, struggling to get a job. Jermaine Anderson had already played maybe three years pro basketball, hadn't had a job. And I was looking at it like, yo, what's the chances of me coming from a small school, a rookie, getting a job? Like, it was... It didn't seem realistic at the time, like even though I was willing to go on like little tours, we went to China, play over there for a month, trying to get some film, tape, whatever it was at the time, came back from that. My old high school, Oakwood Collegiate, at the time, released their head coach for the women's team. And uh, Mr. Miller at the time, just, you know, he called me, he's like, hey, if you're around, I need to do me a favor and just finish this last month and a half. You know, like, I'm just like, well, I'm trying to play pro. If something happens, I, I got to go. He's like, okay, just come and just just finish it for me for now. I'll find something out in it in the meantime. So literally, I was just working out. Basically, I had a gym to train at, do whatever I need to do. I started coaching the girls team. So now I'm coaching this girls team. And uh, I think we practice like once. 
I didn't really know any of their names. And I, I think my first game was like a tournament game. And we go, we play Eastern Commerce, and they beat us by 50. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 50. And, and like, I, I remember it was 50 because it was like 48 with like 20 seconds left, and they shot the ball or they oh, made no. a three at the end of the game. And oh, I was no. irate. I was like, yes. so mad. I remember, which was interesting. But like, team, like for the girls, they're, you know, they weren't that talented. We ended up having one girl that was really pretty good, and she actually went to Ole Miss and Seton Hall. No way. So she, yeah, like she was a Division One player. I'd like So we had one really good player, and the rest of them were kind of – and we got better as the year went on. We played that same team and was up three going into the fourth quarter in the semifinals, like at the end of that year, right? And then yeah, we, ended yeah. up, we ended up losing in, in the fourth quarter. But it was um, – that was cool. That was like kind of like head coaching at that point. I did it another year. Then I started doing AU coaching AU team that had some really good players with grassroots and that's kind of where I really started to think man like I want to coach college basketball because I felt like I had like a really good rapport with the younger players that were around because I was coaching AU I was training young kids um, so it was going to really help me and put me in a position to recruit if I was going to go college and um, it's kind of where I jumped off man I got an opportunity with Fresno State Rodney Terry gave me an opportunity to be a grad assistant Crazy, man. I think like so many things to think about, but one being like that Mr. Miller that you've mentioned a couple of times, you know, he's in a position of, you know, it seems like a guy who's been teaching and coaching for a long time. So how many phone numbers does he have that he could call and he calls you, you know, yeah, I know. like I think it yeah. says a lot, right? I think, so he sees something in you that maybe you're not even seeing in yourself yet and knows. And then, and then for, to be able to like, still as a young person to like, have those girls buy in, make the season still something good. Like you could have just wrote it out and like, let's get through this month here. I'm trying to go play overseas, but you're like the competitive juice is there from day one. Right. I think, yeah, that, yeah that's cool. It's that's awesome, man. And then Fresno state, like, like for me, if I could go back, not, <laughs> and it's not like a regret, regret or anything, but something like that, like trying to be like an, a student assistant or just at the division one level would be, that'd be so dope. And like, yeah. like just learn so much and just talk about that experience. And man, have you given yourself time yet to sort of look back at how things have just like, yeah, it was fast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm, uh, I'm telling you, it was fast. I'm, I'm mm. 36. I've been in the NBA four years going on year five in the G league. I was in G league for four years. So like eight years coaching professionally, I'm 36, like, like as an assistant coach for the whole time. And it's been crazy. 28, man. That's like, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's like I was like, a grad, but it's sure. like really and truly, you could say it was kind of late because as a grad assistant, I was 27. Right. And a lot of times you think about it, grad assistants are like 24, 25, yeah. 23. You know what I mean? And I took a couple of years off trying to figure out what I was doing. Yeah. And I went right into it as a grad assistant um, at Fresno state. And that was again, coincidence, chance, like coaching with Coach Ro Russell, um, who had a great relationship with Rodney Terry because Rodney was the assistant at Texas that recruited Corey Joseph, Tristan Thompson, right? All He recruited those guys at Texas. And when he got the job at Fresno State, he already had a relationship with him. And so Coach Ro was able to ask him, like, hey, I got a coach that would really be good for you as a grad assistant, and he has really good ties amongst the city. So RT, can, he gave me a chance and, like, I went there. Um, it's funny, like I, I got to learn the system, be around a lot of players. Uh, we had two guys that actually played in the NBA, you know, Paul Watson, 
Um, he actually played for the Raptors as a two-way player last year. He was my roommate. And uh, Tyler Johnson um, yeah. was a senior at the time. So that, that was a really good experience. I, I did that for one year. And the next year, that summer, I kind of volunteered around with Canada Basketball. And that's where Scott saw me, like, working out guys, like, in between practices and kind of offered me, hey, if I get a job, you know, would you want to coach in the G League? I was like, uh, at the time, it was the D League. I said, yeah, sure, I think so. And it kind of just came around a month later. He got the head coaching job. I got an interview with the Celtics, and they offered me the job. And I told Coach uh, Terry, hey, they offered me a job. He was like, you got to go. Yeah. Don't even worry about this. Like, you can always come back to Division One. Mm-hmm. You know, just if you go to the G League, D League at the time, and try to get to the NBA, like, you got to go. And that's where the professional career started off. high school girls to some guy telling you you can always come back to d1 you know <laughs> okay <laughs> nah, so what is real. it man like you got the humble pie going but like there's something there it must be it must be how you communicate to as a student assistant how you communicate to your head coach are you a guy who's going above and beyond are you building connections with the players in the locker rooms and, and having them trust you because that student assistant role is kind of a, a difficult one right because you're young and they're like what's up man you know but you're also yeah. like you're also on the coaching staff so where did you develop those skills that because clearly you're good with relationships, right? Like Ro Russell is not just he's not just picking up the phone for anyone, right? He's yeah. seen how many tens of thousands of people has he coached and mentored and been a part of, but he's willing to do it for you. So like what yeah. is it? Was it a mental approach or is it just how your personality and how you grew up and was it more of a natural thing? I mean, I, I, I Yeah, we I, get deep on this podcast, son. Let's go. <laughs> huh? <laughs> oh man. I would think that I do have some natural, you know, charisma or, you know, ability to talk and relate to people. I do think going along that everybody I've always worked for, I've tried to work really hard, try to go above and beyond. And I think a lot of people have seen my grind, which stemmed from being in the gym. I was the person in the gym with young players, 12-year-olds, 14-year-olds in the gym, working them out that my training company is what I really started to like, you know, start developing players because I was the guy that was developing. And quite frankly, I started, uh, I had friends that were playing overseas that were males and females, you know, like Stephanie Skirbo was one of the first ones. Like I started working with her and I would go to the gym with her and work out. And then all of a sudden Denim Brown is looking at the other side with me, other side of the gym when I'm working them, you know, her out. And I walk up to him and I say, Hey, I think I can help you. And he was like, help me. It was kind of funny. We always laugh about it. And then uh, and then I came to the gym the next day. I was like, yeah, I'll put you through a workout this time and the third. And he loved it. And then he's like, what time tomorrow? And then I did it again. And what time tomorrow? And it just became a habit. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, I'm working out like Stephanie Skirbo, who told Kalisha Keen, Alicia Tatum, Tamara Tatum on the girl's side, right? And then all of a sudden, that stemmed to Denim Brown, who told Jermaine Anderson, who told Javon Shepard. And then all of a sudden the wheels were like going, going, going. And this is kind of where like the name started circulating a lot. Sure. Um, it started with those guys. And then all of a sudden, because those guys were national team players, right? You know, guys like Junior Cadugan at the time that was just finishing at Marquette, like they were telling Rowan Barrett, who was the assistant general manager at the time, hey, there's a guy in the community working out 
our players on men's and women's side, I think you need to like try to figure out how to get them in within the system. And, you know, Rowan came to the gym, he watched me work out. We sat down, we ate, and he wanted to see if I can really do this thing. So had you like, met him I before? I had not ever met him. Ever. Yeah. He says, I want you to come to the gym. I got that's some a, young guys. I want you to work out. That's a big name, man. So I walk into the gym. This yeah. is at Humber College Lakeshore. I walk into the gym and my and he wants to see me work out, guys. So I'm I'm there 45 minutes early. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. He walks into the gym. All of a sudden, I see a little young, skinny kid walking behind him. I'm like, who's this kid? And then another kid walks in. I'm like, oh, Andrew Wiggins. And then another, like, little small kid walks in. And then I'm like, I don't even know who that kid is. And then I saw two big Indian kids, uh, Tanvir and Sim, walk in. right? And then another kid came in. I I didn't know a couple of them, but I'm like, wait a minute. That's Xavier Rathamaze. And then it was Andrew Wiggins, Xavier Rathamaze, RJ Barrett, and Jamal Murray. And so he starts the workout. So I'm like, okay, I'm just supporting. I'm good. I'm just helping, rebounding. He did about, about the first 15 minutes. He was like, all right, Nate, you got him. And I was like, oh, snap. So I just like jumped into the workout. I started putting them through stuff. And then that was kind of like RJ at the time was like 11 years old. And Jamal was 14, you know, and it was, crazy, it was crazy. Man. It was like, that was the start. Like they have a program called Task. They were like targeting you know, athletes, you know, get them in the gym, get them better. And that's what that program was at the time. I got an opportunity to come in there and see these guys, but also work with them. And that's where it kind of started again. I kind of actually started working with RJ at the time from 11 years old. And that kind of was, again, me going to Fresno State at the time. Like I, I left, but I had gained some relationships with players again around, which was, which was good for me. You seem like a pretty authentic guy, right? So it's like, I think when you get to this and you've experienced it now, like guys at certain levels is like, they just want real, you know, they don't want, they don't mm-hmm. want the, they don't want the fluffy stuff. They just like, let's get through this workout and let's get out of here, you know? And so yeah. there must've been something for those guys to kind of make that call. And it's just, I just find it so intriguing, man. It's that's how it should be in life, right? Is if you work hard and you treat people well, good things come, good things come to those. And, and you're, and you, and you're, you're seeing that now, but I can also tell, how you speak that it's like, I've still got so much more to do, you know? And, and I love hearing that. Oh, and you sure. can just tell in your voice. Yeah. You get on with Scott, you teach him a f- thing or two about how to coach. Um, <laughs> nah, he taught me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and, you know, you're in the, the DG league for a few years. And then how does, how do the Raptors come around? Like, how does that all well, unfold for you? And, and uh, those opportunities, cause you're, you're with the Celtics franchise, right? Yeah, so my first year in the G League with um, with Scott, and we had a really good year. We had the number one record in the league. He was coach of the year. Um, that was my first time, like, really being an assistant with scouting. And we had 50 games that year, and I remember having, like, 25 of the scouts. Me and Seth split them down the middle. And I was like, holy smokes. You know, long story short, from that opportunity, the Toronto Raptors the next year bought a G League team. And so at that point, they were looking for coaches. And I guess because I was already in it with some experience being in the G League, they contacted me to come back home. At that time, I was like, I didn't know, but it ended up being a really good situation for me. So I come back to Toronto. To Did you link with, with Jamma on that? Was Jamma there? Jamma was actually an assistant with the Raptors. Yes. Raptors. Because then, he, so, but then he, went, he went down for a year, right? He did, but yeah. he went after I had already left. Okay, okay. So the first coach was Jesse Mermis. Okay. 
he was the head coach. And then, so I started out that, the, the, you know, the first year ever with them. We had a pretty good year. We started out slow, but we got hot at the end. It was actually crazy. We started out five and 19, finished 23 and 27. Ooh. So like we, like we got really hot at the end and literally a couple of buzzer beaters from, you know, being 500. But like we set a record for like the most wins for a expansion team. And then the next year, Jesse had got a job with the Lakers um, and then came down uh, Jerry Stackhouse. Ah, uh, yeah. So we started, you know, something we already built and he comes in. And at that time, Stack was doing a really good job with the team. I was, a, I was assistant coach and we ended up winning a championship that year. We win a championship that year. We come back the next year with the 905 and we go all the way to the championship again. We lost that year, but another hell of a ride. Stack gets a job with Memphis Grizzlies as an assistant. At this time, Nick Nurse was just getting hired as the head coach. And I was thinking I was going to stay with the Raptors, but then the Charlotte Hornets called with an opportunity to be an assistant coach there, um, being that Jay Triano was there as an associate head coach um, who had kind of looked out for me. So that opportunity came up for me to go, and that was like my entry into the NBA. I did three years over there in Charlotte. Had a really good three years there, uh, unbelievable relationships. And in doing that, you know, in the summers, I was still working with the national team and coming back. And so I, I still had that relationship. You sleep? And then, Do you sleep? No. <laughs> <laughs> it was tough because, like, I was doing NBA, summer, national team. And it was like back to back to back to Non-stop. back. Nonstop. Yeah. And still working with young players in the middle of that. Like, we started the national training center that was all running all summer. So I was doing all three of those things. And then Raptors win the, the championship that year in 2019. Nick's gets, Nick gets the head coaching job for the national team. And that summer, you know, Nick asked me to continue to be as an assistant coach. Unbelievable honor. Uh, continue to do that. At the end of the next year of my contract with Charlotte, the Raptors had an opening position. And then they came and offered me a job. You know what I mean? So then I ended up coming back to Toronto. And uh, here I am, you know. Did you take a moment on that, like the first home game you were able to sit down on the bench? Did you kind of just like, I'm in my city where mm-hmm. I grew up. I'm coaching, helping coach the pro team in the NBA. Like that's got to be a pretty crazy feeling to go through. Yeah. Or are you, you just know, too geek for the scouting report and you're like, let's go. We're going to get this dub. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never like, you know what? Being in Toronto, coaching for Toronto, it didn't, it didn't like, I don't know. It wasn't like a huge thing for me. It was, it's big. It wasn't sure. a big thing because coaching at the nine of five, we had had a couple of games at air Canada center already. So like I already been on that bench. It wasn't like brand new. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then being in Charlotte, Charlotte first, right. Coming to Toronto, being on the other side. Now that was weird. Right. Yeah. One of the games we actually came into Toronto and won was like a Jeremy lamb half court heave for three like, you just look it up. It's cra- It was crazy. Yeah. We try to run a play. The ball gets deflected in the background. We're up two. We're down two. Jeremy just catches it and throws it at the basket, pass half court, bucket, yeah. end the game. It was the craziest thing ever. But, like, those coming back and being on the court in the NBA, that was different. And then I think it just added to it, coming back and being a Toronto native and being on the staff and coaching with a team. And then it really got big when they started allowing fans because we never really got the full experience sure. being here in Canada with COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was definitely, definitely interesting. 
And I mean, the biggest honor other than that, maybe, you know, Nick Nurse or whatever, has got to be being able to see Johnny Lee almost every day, you know? What a legend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jay Lee, man, he... That's our guy. Yeah, yeah he gets it done, man. Yeah. Uh, he is high energy every day. Yeah. And he gets it done. Good dude. Love it. So I got... Before we hop on to some fun questions for you and uh, kind of get you on your way, I got two questions for you. Does that sound good? Mm-hmm. Okay. So for, uh, you decide when you want to. What's next? How do we stay hungry? How do we stay motivated? Other than that you have a, a company that's paying you to do a job. And two, what advice do you have for young coaches out there that are thinking about becoming a coach, no matter what the sport is, just sort of... You know what I mean? Anything that you could give, if you could go back and think kind of things. So you answer whatever order. What's next? Uh, Any advice? I get, I'll, I'll try to like put it all in one, I guess. Um, yeah, let's go. <laughs> for me, my goal as I continue to coach was always to be a head coach at the NBA level. Like that's what I want to do. And I guess my advice is going to be tied into the things for me that I feel like I need to get there. Sure. The first part is being great at where I'm at. I'm currently an assistant coach, and I think I have to really dive into being the best assistant coach I can be every day. Mm-hmm. I think that's only going to help me when I get into a leadership position to identify people that can be in that position for me to help me, as well as know what it feels like to have somebody like really support. Um, but you have to you have to have unwavering support of the head coach and the assistant coach's role, which I'm at, and I think that can never stop. Like you have to continue to do that. And in order to do that, sometimes you have to find opportunities to really increase, you know, your habits of that area or just um, your knowledge. And if so if I'm a high school head coach and I want to be a great high school head coach, I need to find opportunities. Maybe I'm going to go teach an eighth grade team. There's going to be things that I will try with the eighth grade team. That is my trial ground. That is my playground. You know, if you're going to be a freelance writer, you need to write. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) It it is what it is. Like, if you're going to be a coach, you need to coach. You need to find opportunities to put yourself in situations to know what you would do under heat of the moment. And so all those things I went through as a head coach, you know, uh, last week in the America Cup, there were things that I was sitting down as an assistant saying, what would I do in this situation that's going to take a split decision? Because you go from making suggestions to making decisions, <laughs> which is like a big step. There's a big and, difference. Yeah. And sometimes <laughs> you have to put yourself in that scenario so that you feel extremely comfortable. So if you go back and look at all the things I told you that I've done, like I, I omitted the fact that every summer that there was basketball tournaments here in the city, uh, whether it be Crown League, OVO, Men's League, things of that nature, the guys that I was working with, we went and played in those and I coached them. And I coached it like a real game. Like I was drawing up ATOs. I was trying to play time to score. I didn't care if it was the summer because I felt like this was opportunity for me to try and figure out what was the best way to win games just from a tactical standpoint. Sure. Yeah. And so my advice is if you're trying to get to something, you have to try to put yourself in that scenario. If you can't get the job that you want, try to get a job that is similar, possibly at a lower level and really crank that and try to get opportunities and make mistakes and put yourself in a realm of how you can do that. I was trying to become a really good assistant coach with 905. I remember coaching 12-year-old, a 12-year-old Filipino team on Wednesday nights in Mississauga 
putting them through drills that I thought I could put my 905 guys through because I, I, I needed reps to coach and how I was going to help people. It, it doesn't matter. Like mm-hmm. I tell people all the time that girls high school team that I started with was like one of the best experiences for me learning how to teach. I had one division one player. I had another girl that played Canadian college. The rest of the girls never played basketball after that year again. And so in order to teach them how everybody needed to play, where to be, you have to really break it down. And it doesn't matter to me the level. You have to learn how to teach. Yeah. And I think, I think that really, really helps you to do that. So I hope I answered both things. There. 100%, man. And, and I think the teaching part too, like we talked about, is like you get this group of girls who's like just staring at you. And it's like you're literally starting. So teaching not only X's and O's, but teaching them about yourself, building some trust so we can, you know, all those things, right? All the things that make coaches great. And that's awesome. I love the analogy of just sort of, I never thought of it like that because, you know, become a senior high coach or whatever, and you get put in that first scenario, you're like, damn. But if you can find an opportunity to get yourself through that scenario, you're a little more ready for it. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And how'd that feel when you were just at the cup here making those decisions today? <laughs> no, I, I felt good, man. I, I, I yeah. felt, again, I think my assistants like Dave DeVero, Kyle Landry, Michael Meeks, Scott Morrison, I think all, all those. It's like a whole hoops journey lineup almost there, man. No, man. Let's they, go. They, they really helped me. Every time something happened, they were, yo, we got to make sure we do this. Don't forget this. Don't And like those little things kept me in line along with me having a clear mind and clear thought process of what we were trying to do. Nice. Love Time it, score, what we were trying to do. And it was, it was great for me because FIBA, they record your timeout sometimes. Ah, yeah. So on, on film, I'm going back and watching my timeouts. Oh, that would like, be is fun. My, is my communication clear? What, like, is my demeanor good enough so that these guys are understanding you know, what I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to do on the court. If I, if I say, Hey, I want to do this and go back and look at the film and the guys don't perform. And I look at the timeout, I could say, Hey, I didn't do a good job of explaining what I really wanted there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that's a big thing to really take from that as well. Sometimes you use an iPad and you draw on it and you, I go on the next part and I go back and look at it like, wow, how could they understand <laughs> that if I couldn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I, I think, think that's like important. A, yeah. Like a timeout to you we all think we are acting and speaking in a certain way, but mm-hmm. you actually see it. Like, I mean, we, wait, we make our players watch film, but to see, I'd, I'd love to see myself in a timeout sometimes too. It'd be pretty humbling. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Like I know stack used to record himself. So you need to go back and listen. Like, yeah. I think, I think it's key. Yeah. Like in time, time of the game, your temperament and the demeanor. So he just put a mic on himself and record it. And then, yeah, yeah. man, let's you know go. What I mean? Taking them to church on a Thursday, son. Let's go. I love it, man. Growth mindset, continuing to, you know, find ways to grow. It's good. All right. But more importantly, let's get to the goods. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Did you check the questions out or did you brush them off? Be honest. I, I checked them out okay. a little bit. All right. <laughs> How do you feel about ketchup on macaroni? Uh, unfortunately, I did it as a youngster. Hmm. But I put ketchup on everything and I'd never do it again. I don't think you need to apologize, Nathaniel, for what happened in the past. We, you know, we were all, we're all different people than we were. Oh. We, all, we all make mistakes. It's about learning and growing, like you've mentioned Wait. many times in the show. And uh, I'm proud of you. I'm proud that you've, you've been able to fight through that and you've, you've taken Yikes. ketchup out of your life. That, that means a lot. No, I, I, I mean, ketchup, no. you can still no. use it. But Sorry, I'm, I, that, for macaroni. 
Yes. Yeah, no, yeah, it's like unnecessary. You got to get the real macaroni, macaroni pie. Yeah. You know, you got to get that done. But yeah, when I was young, you know, back in jungle, I did definitely craft dinner a little. Yeah. Kosher. We just didn't know any better. We didn't know any better. <laughs> we don't even have a palate. Like basically, we're young. We're like, like my kid, he's almost six, and like he could have the best meal in front of him. He's like, that looks disgusting. And I'm like, just try it, man. Like, put it in your mouth and chew it. And then he, like, tries it and then pretends like he doesn't like it. It's like, oh, my God. Yeah. 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 Who have been some of the most important people in your life up to this point? You've mentioned so many. And yeah. one of the things with this answer we find is people is, like, depending where you are in your life, people kind of come and go. And you've mentioned lots of mentors. But is there someone that maybe you've left out? Or it's all little kind of pit stops along the way, I feel like, you know? Yeah, I think, I mean, everybody's been, I mean... If I name one, I'd be doing the disjustice. You know, I mean, like sure. Gerald White, Mike Curry, Rodney Terry, uh, Nick Nurse, Adrian Griffin, Coach Flat, Nate Dorkin, uh, Scott Morrison. Ooh. And then just like, you know, when we go down to the younger ages, John Clara, Mr. Miller, I think all those people really, really helped me from a basketball standpoint, helped me from like maturing as a coach, as a human being really helped me and forever appreciative of that. Love it, man. And it sounds like you really get that part of it and that part of who you are as a coach is kind of doing the same thing too. And that's, that's vital, man. We need that. Books or movies? Uh, movies. Talk to me. Something recent. What's on the all-time list? Is there? Uh, is there like- I'm definitely uh, Dark Knight, Django, Love and Django. Basketball. What? Did you just sneak in Love and Basketball in there trying to look over your shoulder? Yeah, okay. Love- Love basketball. It's Solid. Solid. Yeah. Yeah. Django. That's you Come just on. you went dark night, Django, love and basketball. <laughs> Yo, Django. <laughs> you just Django covered them all. Tough, man. Yeah. No, but you covered when a Hilda lot of like shocked. genres right there. There's a lot going on. And he shows us his sensitive side with the love and basketball too. Okay. All right. I see it. I grew up on that one. So I, sure. That was, you know what I mean? Sure. Are you gonna blame it on your childhood, right? You're not gonna say that you have a soft side. Is that what <laughs> You get the choice, best seat in the house. The artist could be dead or alive, doesn't matter. Who are we checking out? Now, if you have trouble with one, just give us a couple. Let us know where your head's at with that. Okay, so my favorite R&B group of all time is Drew Hill. And I I haven't been able to go see, I want to see them in concert. And they just did like a tour of all their old songs. I was posting it on Instagram for like a week or so. And I'm, I, I would really like to do that at some point. I don't know if I ever get to do that. Sleeping in my bed Burn- remix, man. Come on now. <laughs> I got yeah. to see Burna Boy. Yes. I, I, I still want to see Kid. I have not seen Kid yet. How um, was Burna Boy? He, he was in Vancouver, but I was in Chicago. I missed him. I was so mad. Nah, Unbelievable. He was in Toronto. I was there. Yeah. Unbelievable. He, he can perform. He can sing. Artists. Talented. Scott said there was a lot of burner boy in the locker room. After every win. Come yeah, on. Yeah, man. That's Gotta be done. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Anybody else? That's it. Wizkid. I need to and see Wizkid. Yeah. Talented. Yeah, I, need, I need to see Wizkid. Um, I, I feel like I've seen everybody else that sure. I wanted to see. Okay. Without disrespecting the goats. Yeah. Yeah. Beforehand. But, you know, like. Yeah. But definitely. I like yeah, it. Yeah. Do you have now? This is another one where it's like we worry about leaving people out. But like, are there some all-time teammates that you have, or like a teammate team? 
just people that stood out for whatever reasons. And I know you're like, come on, man, don't make me do this. Cause then people I played with, Oh man. Or maybe observed as a coach. Uh, let's go. Let's go. People you played with, man. Let's throw it back. Yeah. I, I, Marlo Davis, Alex Johnson and myself, we played in like, we never played on like a high school team. We never even played like on an AAU slash club team, but we definitely played in like, we played in like community tournaments, like mm-hmm. in the city. Uh, and that was a blast because we were like three point guards playing on the floor at the same time. And awesome. like, you know, we got on each other, but we wanted the best for each other. And we felt like we were like really good together. Travis Harvey, maybe. Yep. From college. Mike DeGiorgio, my guy at Oakwood. Um, all my guys at Oakwood. And uh, being a young guy, I always got a chance to play with older guys in men's leagues. So like playing with like Dion Horsford and like Marlon Green, which were like, they were like way older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, introduced me to the men's game, but I knew if somebody was going to ever get my back, I know Marlon had me, you know what I mean? <laughs> Being a young guy, you need one of those so guys. I need to know. Yeah. You for need sure. That. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, all those guys are great. My Innsbury family, for sure. You know, Oakwood people. You get back from however 30 hours of travel. Obviously, you don't feel like cooking when you get home, but you are hungry and you pull up Ooh. outside the corner store and you have to grab a bag of chips. Am I in Canada or the U.S.? Because that makes a big difference. I love the question. Let's let's say you're in both. <laughs> no, you're in Canada. You're in Canada. You're in Canada. Well, because, because this is a Canadian my, theme pocket. Okay, let me. Yeah, my favorite my favorite chips is sour cream cheddar. Yes. Okay, Ruffles? sour cream cheddar. Yes, they don't have them in Canada. Mm, they which is unfortunate. Though. Yeah, They're, it's big time. Um, and even the honey barbecue twist, the Frito, they don't have those in Canada either. So I'm going for either or in the store if they're here. Okay. Um, they did bring the hickory barbecue chips to Canada, the Lay's. And those are those are good. They're okay. like wavy. The yeah. wavy. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'll, I'll deal with those. Other than that, I'm good. Forget about it. <laughs> yeah. I could see you still, you're still taking care of that body. You haven't given up yet. So not too many chips, man. all right man this has been awesome two more questions for you before we let you go Um, again appreciate your time who would you like to see on a hoops journey but the only thing is you gotta you gotta (laughs) connect you gotta connect us so the pressure's on you so who's out there that has a good story right it's not it's not the names it's it's the stories it's the learning it's the yeah yeah i'll probably go with matt gray it's not out yet. He just recently signed with a team that I can't really put out, but sure. he's a pretty cool story. Um, I actually helped mentor him a little bit too. Okay. And I feel like he'd have some good things to talk about and how he got on and where he came from and how he won a national championship at division one level. So I think that would be kind of cool. Uh, I'll definitely try to get that connect. Well, you put him on the spot now. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Awesome, man. I was actually just looking at our questions, but you kind of already answered it, right? The reflective one about like, if you could kind of talk to a coach that was younger. And I think that was sort of like the, if you could do it all again, or if you have, you know, 10 years ago, you, what would you do? But I think there's been lots of really great takeaways here. I was thrilled to get you on. And and finally, you know, Scott's been pushing you for so long. And I think it's just a great story of perseverance and continuing to like grow and learn and treat people well and build relationships. Um, Super good. We wish you nothing but continued success. Any sort of last thoughts, reflections as you have your last weekend before 
you hop into the Raptors here and uh, and get back at it? Yeah, man. I, I just thank you for the opportunity to come here and share my story. Hope that helps somebody out there. Yeah, man. Um, and going through that, I feel like it's really important for like we have this country of ours that we, we want to grow the game. We want to get better at the sport. Obviously, we have uh, high expectations um, for our country, and I think in order to do that, it starts at the ground level. As much as we can as coaches, we need to get better, uh, continue to get better, grind our way and how we can get better, seek information, um, seek professional development. Um, I think that's the only way that our country gets better because if our coaches get better, our young players are going to get better. And it starts at the grassroots level to try and figure that out. And if you're already doing that, you know, we appreciate you a ton. Yeah. Um, so that's why if I'm ever in the city and we're coaching and people ask me if they can come into practice, as long as my head coach allows me, I, I say yes, you know, but like, I think it's just important to like, just continue to grow. And I hope we do that. And I, if we do, we'll be really good. Say less. I, I with you, man. Uh, you know, and that's one of the things doing this podcast, like coaching for 20 plus years now and love it. And, and just uh, doing this podcast and hearing people's different stories. My goal, my big goal is to have a hoops journey coaching clinic in Vancouver for like a weekend uh, where we get as many former guests on and they can come and, you know, do sessions, whether it's classroom, whether it's X and O's on court, uh, whether right. it's, you know, Johnny Lee showing us how to train our bodies and, you know, whatever it is, <laughs> right? Like I just help grow the game. And I think one of the big things is like, is our egos, right? We let our egos get in the way and we think like we maybe we either know it all or, you know, we can't learn from others, but that's totally not true. And I think that's a good way to end this show, man. Thank you so much. Continue success. If you make it out West here, you guys are coming to Victoria, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, you'll be yes. in Victoria. Yeah. All right. Now, are the Raptors playing an exhibition game there? Or is it on the mainland? Um, is this, is this, train, is this camp? training camp? I believe we're having an open practice as well. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I saw that commercial there. Okay. Yeah. So for those of our island guests or our uh, listeners, just get out there. Support the Raptors, obviously. Coach, pleasure to meet you. Continued success. All the best, man. And uh, we'll be watching. And, uh, you know, your time will come. Keep working. Appreciate you. Thanks, man. All right, my man. Take care. All right. Thanks to our sponsors, Parkside Brewery and Good Lad Clothing, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for supporting A Hoops Journey. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. You can find us on social media at A Hoops Journey and on our website, ahoopsjourney.com. Thank you to our guest, Nathaniel Mitchell. Thank you to our sponsors, ATO Basketball Merchants, Parkside Brewery, and Good Lad Clothing. And we'll see you on the next episode.